Welcome to this week's episode of Faith and Money. Faith and Money is a free podcast about transforming our hearts, attitudes, and our minds toward money with the Word of God. Our content is free and packed full of valuable content. You just may get more than you paid for. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to discuss one of the primary tenets of financial stewardship by discussing God's ownership. I am Keith Conley. I'm a certified financial planner and certified kingdom advisor, which means that I'm trained to bring expert financial advice packed full with biblical wisdom. Uh, today, I'm joined by my co-host, Bristol Wampler, who is the CEO of Canethics, a cannabis-based financial advisory firm. Good afternoon, Kristen. Crystal, how's it going? Hey, Keith. Uh, everything is going well. Thanks for asking. How are you doing today? Oh, just peachy. You know, some of our readers and our listeners may be wondering about Canethics. Can you tell me a bit, of, a bit more about your practice? Sure, Keith. So uh, let's start why I got into Kinethics. So back in 2013, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And I was living in the Midwest at that time. And long story short is within a few months, I was on multiple medications, you know, 13, 14 different medications trying to, to help me, uh, you know, battle fibromyalgia. And, um, I discovered that cannabis was going legal in, you know, out West. So I traveled with my husband across the United States to get my medical marijuana card. And, uh, and so that I could learn all that I could do could about it. And, uh, within probably about a year and a half of finding medicinal marijuana, I was able to get off of all of my medication. So, and I was able to lose 40 plus pounds and, um, and I haven't looked back since I I've just gotten really healthy doing it. And so <clears throat> I decided that, you know, since I was in financial services that I really wanted to help the cannabis community, uh, come into the, the light and uh, become legal. And so then I launched Kinethics. It's a cannabis financial advisory solutions group. So what's the difference between, you know, medical marijuana versus recreational? Sorry about the pup. So recreational, anyone over 21 or 18, depending on where you live, can use recreational. And medical is you have to have a, a medical card. And you are actually, um, you work with a doctor to find the best uh, cultivars for your body. And, and, and so, you know, a lot of the, the people here are probably wondering, um, the, the recreational use, is that something we as Christians should be supporting? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people cannot afford sometimes to go to doctors and we, we understand our bodies, ourself, and, you know, God has given us the plant to grow on our own. So yeah, I think that, you know, we should support, uh, someone's else's decision to use recreational, 
um, as long as they, you know, are, are, in my opinion, using it for the right reasons. Right. Well, that would be what what I'm hearing you say is more about the medicinal use of it, right? But if right. Some, but you wouldn't necessarily support someone smoke smoking marijuana to get high or um, or to just use it as something to cope with life, like a a drug. Exactly. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sure we could talk a long lot more about that, but let's lighten things up a little bit. I got a joke for you, Crystal. You ready? Oh no, I'm ready. I am the king of the dad jokes, so you just got to get ready. Uh, <laughs> listeners, you know, hold your laughter, please. So what was Moses's wife Sephora known as when she throw dinner parties? Mrs. Moses? Hostess with the Moses. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So moving on, Keith, there's a bipartisan bill being sponsored, which would allow employers to give employees the option to have money taken out of their paycheck to build an emergency fund. It would work a bit like your 401k. Employees would be able to voluntarily grow cash accounts to grow up to 2500 Right. So it's going to work a little bit about like your 401k. The money is taken out of your paycheck. You know, the difference between this and your 401k is that usually the money going into your 401k is all pre-tax, meaning taxes. You put the money into the 401k before taxes are taken out. With these emergency fund accounts, it would be all after-tax money. Um, and, you know, to me, you know, this is a voluntary program. Uh, so it's not like the government's mandating anything, thankfully. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, this is just the government trying to meddle in, in people's affairs here again. You know, why limit it to just $2,500? I mean, I can just get a gas a tank these days for $2,500. It's really not that much. Um, you know, certainly it'll help. Um, but, you know, what's really funny about this is, you know who's pushing this? Who? Susie Orman. And she has a, a reason for pushing this because she's starting a fintech company with this kind of offering. So you know that there's some, you know, people who have their hands in the, in the fire here trying to make some money off of this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when it comes down to it, government is not our savior. Uh, the idea that we only save for retirement because we have a 401k uh, you know, we could talk about, you know, sometime offline about whether or not we should be saving money in a 401k. The answer is yes, but to put every dollar there just because that's a government-sponsored retirement account, uh, I, I could list a number of reasons, and I'm not going to, but why we shouldn't be doing that. But to be, you know, we know that we need to save money. We know that we're going to have to get tires on the car or repair the water heater or pay for junior's braces, but that's our responsibility. The government nor our employer can save us from ourselves. At the end of the day, you know, we need to take responsibility for our own money and our own actions. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Keith. The Faith and Money podcast is different than many other faith-based financial media outlets. Here are Faith and Money 
we are not focusing primarily on giving financial advice. Why is that, Keith? You know, we can go to a lot of different, you know, seminars at our churches. There's studio and online programs that are telling us what we should be doing with our money. But very little of, of what we talk about in money in the Christian world revolves around what the Bible says. It's all about finding some sort of wisdom or some tip about how to make us rich. But here at Faith and Money, we really are about bringing our faith into how we make our financial decisions. You know, I, I, I like to tease people and kind of make some self-deprecating jokes here. I'm kind of like the uncle that everyone avoids at Thanksgiving and Christmas. My favorite topics of conversation are politics, religion, and money. And when you mix all three together, I'm in heaven. <laughs> so, so that's what this podcast is about. It's about integrating our financial habits and our hearts with the word of God. Uh, you know, the study of, of theology is a serious academic study and, and it can't be done on social media. You know, theology is a study of distinctions, clarifications, and nuances. Uh, and we often will be talking about these things and it's just going to evoke more questions. Uh, and so as this podcast continues to mature and grow, uh, we will be talking about many theological topics uh, and how that relates to our money. Okay. In today's episode, we are going to discuss the fact that God owns everything. Answering this question may sound simple enough, but we're going to dig into why God is the owner of everything and why that is a good thing. Keith, what scripture comes to mind when you think of God owning our wealth? Yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and, and read some scriptures here uh, about God's ownership, and then we're going to kind of uh, describe and, and explain the, the way we should react as Christians over God's ownership. When I think of God's ownership, uh, the first verse that comes to my mind is Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now, this is right before Moses receives the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Exodus 19.5 says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. That's, that's a beautiful scripture. The scripture that, I, that kind of comes to my mind is Deuteronomy 10.14. And it says, behold to the Lord, your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Excellent. You know, a lot of a lot of us have heard this third verse. It's in the book of Psalms. It's Psalm 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills, which is just another way to say that everything is God's. That is so beautiful. Um, there's also First Chronicles 29, 11 through 12. It 
says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great to give strength to all. There are two things that we can learn from the fact that God is the creator and owner of all creation. The first thing is, the first is that God is the creator. This is no surprise to any believer, but how too does this inform us as stewards of wealth? Yeah, I mean, God, as creator, God does not surrender his ownership of what he has created when he places us as his image bearers. You know, God is the ruler over this world. And as image bearers, you remember back in Genesis, we're always going back to Genesis, aren't we, Crystal? We are. We are made to be his representatives. We are his vice regents. We are his representatives here on this earth. Uh, Psalm 8, back verse 6, you have given dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And this is referring to mankind and is ultimately uh, applied to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we may have dominion over the world. We are to use it and to uh, manage it for the Lord. And we are held accountable to the Lord. Uh, and he uses our actions to fulfill his purpose. Uh, you know, Psalm 135, verse 6 says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth and the seas and all the deeps. So, you know, we may be doing various things on this earth, but as creator, God does not ever have his purposes stopped. Nothing can stop what he is doing in this world. God is not what we would call a deist God who's far off. God is intimately involved in his creation, even as you know, sinful mankind uh, is misusing their authority on this earth and doing all kinds of things. Which really brings up another doctrine, not of just creator, but the providence of God. You know, providence states that God ordains and controls all that happens. Controls all that happens, good and evil? Well, that, that's definitely one of the, the distinctions that we have to make here in, in theology, isn't it? You know, yes, God ordains all that happens, but is God, does God cause man to sin? Is he the author of evil? And to which, to that, we have to say no. You know, God doesn't ordain evil. God doesn't cause us to sin. God doesn't tempt us to sin, does he? That would be against his character. Right. So going back, so what you're basically saying is that all Christians believe in God's sovereignty. So we can know that God will accomplish his will regardless of our faithfulness. Yeah, I mean, as people who are fallen in this world, 
you know, we could say, oh, well, we spent our money this wrong way, or we didn't honor the Lord with our wealth, or we did this sinful thing, or, or man, you know, did this thing against the will of God. But does that mean that God's purposes are, are prohibited or hindered? No, God uses negative things in this world to still fulfill his purposes. He isn't stopped by, um, you know, mortal finite man's actions. Uh, you know, it reminds me of, of Joseph in the book of Genesis speaking to his brothers who he saw after years and years after they had sold him to the slave traders. And, and Joseph says to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Um, wow. And there are three different parts to the doctrine of providence. There's preservation. You know, he maintains his creation and in existence as he designed it. Concurrence, God collaborates with created realities as they occur. Meaning God uses means. Uh, and government, uh, God directing creation towards its divinely ordained end. Just think about what Jesus says in the gospels here. He knows when the sparrow falls to the ground. Nothing surprises God. Um, God knows um, everything there is, and he's even given power to Israel, according to Deuteronomy 18, for them to get wealth, it says. Uh, and so as we think about wealth and the providence of God, everything we have in terms of our wealth is his. He's just placed it under our control. Which hmm. brings up our second point. You want to introduce our second point, Crystal? Sure. It's we are temporary stewards, but but we don't get to keep God's provisions forever, do we? I mean, in other words, you know, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Is that what you're saying, Crystal? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we are temporary managers. Um, John Wesley uh, said back years and years ago, when the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, he placed you here not as a proprietor, not as an owner, but as a steward. Um, and, and theology uh, in this respect just tells us that um, we are here temporarily. We are to think heavenly minded with the wealth that he's given us and use it for his purposes. So this brings up the same kind of linear question. If God is the owner of all creation, then this brings up the issue of private property. Some yeah. people, go ahead. No, go ahead. Some people look at Acts 2, where the believers were sharing all that they had as an indication that we should not have private property. You know, several years ago, I made a friend on social media, and he's down with the Lord, and he was a dear brother. Uh, but this is just one of these areas where we have distinctions in theology, and he just could not, in his head, you know, make this distinction uh, between, you know, ownership of God versus man. And he always said that God didn't own it, that we owned it. Well, it, it's true. We, God is the owner but the Bible does teach us that we need to have private property because that is how man flourishes. I mean, 
if we don't believe in private property, then, you know, I'm going to go to your house here in a couple minutes, Crystal, and I need the keys to your car because God wants me to use it. <laughs> and you have to be okay with it because it's God's, it's not yours. Right? That's, right, right. We don't, don't know anybody that's going to be okay with that line of reasoning. No, I don't either. It, it reminds me of this story. Dr. James Kennedy tells a story. One Sunday when I preached on how the Bible does not teach socialism, a woman said to me afterward, I completely disagree with you. Wonderful. What do you disagree with? She said, I believe we are brothers keeper. We are our brothers keeper. I said, I completely agree with you. I believe we are too. The difference with you and me is I believe we are our brother's keeper and you believe the government is our brother's keeper. Her mouth fell open and she walked out without saying another word. That concept is the difference between Christianity and socialism. What are your thoughts about that, Keith? I mean, I think that's exactly right. Uh, if we aren't controlling what's in our possession than somebody else is. Uh, and the centralization of control, meaning where there's one, a group of people or one person controlling property for everyone else has never worked out. But what we're seeing here in, in Acts chapter two is not socialism. Socialism is you are required to give it over for control by someone else. And what we have here in Acts chapter two is the voluntary relinquishing of property and goods for the benefit of someone else. You know, there's a difference of me giving you $100 versus you demanding it from me so that you can give it to your neighbor who needs it, right? Mm -hmm. I, I could voluntarily relinquish or, or donate my money or my property. That's a far different from someone who I don't know in a different city across the country um, or up upstate telling me how I have to spend my money. It's completely different. Um, a lot of times people will look at, at this and say, well, that they weren't greedy. Well, everyone is greedy to some respect. If any good father wants his children to have food, he, he desires, is that wrong? Is it wrong for him to want to have food or a job to pay for food for his children to eat? <laughs> I mean, of course not. And, and are we assuming that, that socialism has no greed. I mean, there's no system, economic system or theory in this world that doesn't have some level of greed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, furthermore, if you want to talk more about the Bible, the Bible repeatedly talks about prohibitions against theft. Even the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not steal, which assumes private property. Uh, you know, some people I talk to have guilt about how much property and assets that they own. You know, they may have a very um, significantly sized business or have developed a lot of assets. But private property is a good thing 
because it helps support what we would call human flourishing. If, if I have a property that God has given to me, whether that's you know, real estate or, or a truck or some sort of investment, uh, and I manage that, I am making sure that it is available and it's being managed well, hopefully, uh, so that my my I could benefit, my family could benefit, and others can benefit. And if we're not in control of that property, then what we end up having happen is the deterioration of the human condition. You know, the private, you know, our economic system is the voluntary exchange of goods, you know, trading one product or service for something in return. And having private property in, it gives us incentive to accumulate that property and to manage it well. If I don't have, I don't have any incentive to flourish and to cause other people to, to succeed if there's nothing in it for me. That's just how life works. Thank you, Keith, for that thought. Um, well, this is all we have for this week's episode of Faith and Money. We are so excited to see our number of listeners growing. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe and forward this to someone you believe would enjoy this content. It is completely free. Thanks again, Crystal. And just so you know, you can send your questions to faithandmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, we'll see you then. God bless.